Just because your path is lonely doesn't mean your path is wrong. Everybody won't be willing to grow to where you want to go. Everybody won't make it to your next level because everybody won't be willing to sacrifice what it takes to create greatness. So unfortunately, the ones that started with you might not finish with you. The ones that had your back might turn their back. But you can't allow who left you to keep you from your best you. Hello, and welcome to Before the Lights podcast, stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I'll be interviewing Trent Shelton, a former NFL wide receiver and founder of Rehab Time. Trent is now touring the world, sharing and spreading positive messages. He's going to explain his past in the NFL, as well as what motivated him to start Rehab Time and wanting to change lives such as all the obstacles that he's faced in his journey. Trent's going to share such a life-changing message today, so I hope you enjoy. If you do, please share this, screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me and Trent. Um, I'd love to get the word out. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to it. All right. Hi, Trent. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It means a lot. Oh, no problem, Brittany. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So where are you joining us from today? I know you've been traveling kind of all over the globe recently. Where are you today? Yeah, I'm in, I'm at home. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. So I'm at home finally after being gone for like a, over a month. So it feels oh good gosh. to be back. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know you have an event in Georgia this week. Just kind of explain what those events are about and um, kind of the impact you see during those. For sure. Um, yeah, so I have my my new beginnings event uh, in Atlanta this weekend. It's pretty much the last uh, leg of the tour. And how I do my tour now, you know, I kind of care. It's been, been about a year. You know, I don't go, you know, 2015, I went like city to city and I just burnt out. So hmm. I kind of just kind of go with the flow um, as far as finding venues and stuff like that. So the, um, the purpose of the event is really to take people on a journey. You know, um, hmm. if you ever been to one of my events, you'll know that it's full of everything. You know, I do spoken words, music, um, you know, it's just more of a, because I, I, I don't care who you are. If you're speaking for two hours, you know, it's kind of, it gets kind of boring. So mm-hmm. I like to switch it up and I like to take people on a journey from, you know, making a choice to to change in their life or make whatever change it may be in their life to actually giving them steps to, you know, create that lasting change. So it's a very um, roller coaster, up and down event, laughs, cries, all of that. So I think what you see on me on the internet, you kind of get that in person times 10. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so impactful that people can go and see um, you in real life because I know on social media you can affect so many people through your videos or your words, but um, that's definitely awesome. So rehab time. Um, I know there's a lot that happened in your life that led up to it. Um, Just honestly kind of take us back into your life through sports, through football, kind of your journey that took you to where you are today. For sure. Um, Well, you know, like most athletes, I mean, growing up, I'm the youngest of two boys. I mean, three boys, excuse me. And, uh, you know, sports has been my whole life from baseball to basketball, every sport. Uh, The four four major, like I would say major ones because soccer is definitely a major one, but I didn't play Mm -hmm. soccer. That's the one I didn't play. Mm -hmm. And so track, baseball, um, basketball, football growing up. And, uh, you know, basketball was probably my favorite sport, but I had a, I guess I was better in football just growing up. So to make a long story short, you know, was a standout athlete in Texas, went to Baylor uh, there, was all Big 12 uh, a few years. 
And then, you know, I thought I was going to get drafted like every kid does. And, you know, uh, my uncle actually coached in the NFL. So he kind of gave me some tips that I was looking like I would go fourth round. But uh, that came around, didn't happen. Uh, kind of started my depression at that point. But I quickly got out of that once I got signed to the Colts. I was a high priority undrafted free agent uh, with Coach Dungy, with Peyton. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. the year right after they won the Super Bowl. So it was cool. And, um, you know, I did really well uh, that preseason. I think. If I'm not mistaken, I know the best out of all the rookies, and I want to say maybe the best in the NFL that preseason as far as yards and catches. And yeah. so I just knew that, you know, I was destined to be on the team, make the team play. But, uh, you know, I quickly found out uh, that wasn't the plan. You know, um, <laughs> I got cut right after preseason, but they signed me back. They kind of let me know what they were going to do. They wanted to groom me, you know, told me all the things I wanted to hear, whether that was true or not. Uh, I stayed there for about two weeks. I got an apartment, got a car, you know, I just knew I was good. And uh, I got a call. I remember being at the bank and I got a call and from a 317 number, which was Indy. And the guy was like, hey, Trent, you know, bring all your stuff, bring your playbook and, uh, you know, come to the office. You know, we're going to release you today. So I thought it was a joke. I thought it was one of my friends. So I hung up and literally they called back and was like, this is such and such. And I'm like, oh, snap. So I go up there. They cut me, drive all the way to Texas, pack my things up and. I was in Texas for about a week and they called me back and you know, I went back up there and that was just kind of the, the story of my career with the Seahawks and the Redskins kind of back and forth. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the major breaking point for me in that process was I, re- I remember with the Colts, um, we had a Monday night football game against the Chargers and uh, I was doing really well in the practice squad. Really, really good. I mean, a lot of players wanted me to play. And uh, so that week, Coach Dungey came up to me and said, you know, we're down a man and you're up. And so uh, you'll be traveling this week. But at that time, um, I had really bad tendonitis in my knee, like really, really bad. And I mean, I was popping painkillers just to practice because when you're in practice squad, if you don't practice, you get cut. And so, you know, as an athlete, I mean, if you can barely, especially as a receiver, you you need to be healthy all around. But I was limping and Coach Dungy saw that. And then at the end of the week, he said, you know, we don't look like we can use you because you're hurt. We know we need somebody to go full speed. And at that point, I feel like that's when I lost my opportunity. And I just started to lose my life, honestly. Um, you know, the NFL was always my dream. But when I got there, I think it became less about football for me and more about the things the NFL brings, you know, the parties, the, mm-hmm. the significance, uh, all these things. And I ended up losing my life to that. And um, I guess to – I mean, I can talk about this for 10 hours. But <laughs> I guess what brought me to, to rehab time was – was my rock bottom, you know, uh, I always say, you know, the two thing, the, the main thing was my birth, the birth of my son, which happened out of wedlock to my wife. Now she's my wife, Maria. But at that time, you know, she wasn't my wife. And um, I can just, I'll just be honest with you. I wasn't being a man. I was thinking about all the wrong things. And like, I was thinking about child support and, you know, I'm I, like, I'm, I'm a son of a pastor. So all these things are going on in my head, like, man, but to make a long story short, uh, Tristan, changed my life because he finally made me look at myself and realize that I'm a leader and I have to face and be a man. I told Tristan, you know what? I don't want you to grow up to be like me. And that made, that really hurt me to say that. And so immediately I wanted to do something to change my life. Um, Fast forward, maybe, maybe a few months after that, I just remember being in my room and uh, breaking down and crying, honestly, just like, man, where's my life going? What am I doing? And I just told myself, I don't know where it came from. I well my faith in God, I know where it came from. But at that moment, I don't know where the re- the word rehab came from, but I was like, man, it's rehab time. <laughs> and for me, that meant going to the gym. 
That meant getting my body right. Yeah. That meant eating right. That meant, you know, getting into my word more. And so rehab time was just for me. So when people see me now, they think it's crazy because I never wanted to be a speaker. I never wanted to be, it was my biggest fear. And so rehab time was for me. And I just started on that journey at that point in my life. And it kind of brought me to where I'm at today. Yeah, definitely. And I think your point about rehab is so true. Um, I know uh, I had, my mom battled with alcoholism and she would go to rehab and we'd have these conversations about um, just how everybody kind of needs rehab, um, whether they're addicted to substances or alcohol or not. Um, it's just kind of, it doesn't have to be going to a place and, um, you know, the technical rehab, but I think rehab for me, like you said, working out, diving deeper into my sport, kind of just getting into the word, like you said, those things are so vital in keeping us healthy. And I think whether you're technically addicted to something or not, rehab is so important. So I definitely love what you're doing. Um, well, I appreciate it. And, you know, just even with that context, I mean, with you being an athlete, you understand the the context of rehab. You know, I wasn't necessarily thinking drugs or alcohol, even though I was going through those things. Mm. But if, if you're hurt, yeah, you go to rehab, right? And yeah. if you do rehab right, you know, rehab sucks. If you don't, sometimes we think we're healed, you get back out there and you hurt yourself even more, right? Yeah. But if you do the yeah. process right, a lot of times you come back stronger. You know, you come back more mentally stronger, or physically stronger because you went through this process. And so rehab for me means putting the strength into a weakness. And if we're all honest in our lives with ourselves, we all have something that we can rehab because none of us are perfect. We all have some type of struggle. And that's where that came from. And so uh, I always say, you know, what God is my my head trainer in real life. So I want to take that same mentality from being hurt in the physical um, and taking that same mentality to mind, body and soul. So that's where the word rehab, you know, kind of came from in my mindset. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. It's funny. It can be, t- can be taken in different contexts and stuff, but all in all, it's just making yourself better and whatever that means for you. It's good. So yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So what was, what do you think the biggest or some of the biggest things that you struggled with kind of going through all that you went through in the NFL and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, what it meant? What do you think some of the biggest things you personally struggled with that you needed to kind of rehab? Um, one, I would say my identity. I think that was the biggest thing because I didn't know who I was you know, outside of my sport. And that's something that, you know, I preach to people a lot. It's like so many times we can get lost in what we do. And it might not be a sport for somebody. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a job. Mm-hmm. These times it's social media and so many people follow us. So yeah. we wrap our identity around these things. And the dangerous part about that is that, you know, dreams, I would say dreams aren't always faithful. You know, dreams will, will leave. You know, they have expiration dates for the majority, especially if you're playing sports, your sport is going to end. And for me, when my sport ended, I felt like my life ended because I placed my identity around that. So I had to find out like who I was without any type of title, without any type of attachment, like who am I at the core? You know, who is Trent Shelton? So that was a big struggle for me. And also the fear of, of judgment from people um, was a big struggle for me. I felt like you know, I had to to put on this mask, um, not saying I was a fake person, but I had to mask my struggle. I had to mask my pain. You know, when somebody asked me, Trent, are you good? Especially my mom. Hey, you good? No, 
are you good? I was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, and really I wasn't good. I was smiling for the camera, but down behind the scenes as I like to call it. So I had to put on this front because especially as men, I feel like we live in a society where, you know, you have to show no weakness and you have to be strong all the time in order to be masculine. And, you know, growing up with, you know, with an all male household, except my mother, you know, um, that was definitely the energy, you know, um, just growing up, especially in the 80s, the 90s and early 2000s. That was just the energy, especially being around all boys. We loved each other, but we never really said that, you know, yeah. we didn't want to seem soft. And so those were things that I struggled with, just uh, the fear of being judged for who I am and my mistakes and like trying to please who people wanted me to be instead of being you know, who I was created to be. So those two things were definitely an issue. And I would say the third thing was, was my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I always said I had a strong foundation in God and in my faith. But as soon as the storm hit, I started to doubt God. As soon as things yeah. didn't go the way I wanted them to go, I became angry at God. And so those were three things that I really struggled with. And I think when you hear my messages, when I speak so much about it, that's why I talk about friends. That's why I talk about your environment. That's why I talk about faith, because those things were really things I struggled with. Yeah, I think keeping the faith in the hard times is probably the hardest thing. Personally, I think I agree with you that when stuff is awesome, I feel like that's when my faith is great. I know it's easy to be thankful for me, I feel like. But when it gets hard or stuff isn't happening or um, there's some things that you really can't explain in your life, that's when it's the hardest for me personally to have that strong faith. And I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, there's a reason, there's a plan and um i think that's definitely the hardest thing through your life um how was your faith strengthened through what you've kind of been through and what challenge did you did you face with your faith yeah for sure um well you know i I always relate everything back to like physical just i mean i'm an athlete so that's just what i relate things to and it's just like i started to realize like the one thing I realized I had to change with my was my perspective because um, I realized my perspective was my prison at that moment. You know, I always would say, you know, easier said than done or I always would be like, you know, nothing's going to change. I had just that negative mindset. And so uh, once I realized that it started in my mind, that was the greatest war. And I started to change my mindset. Um, you know, things started to become, you know, better in my life. And I tried and I, and I start I turned that prison perspective, you know, into a power perspective and. I think that was key for me because I always I always say that, you know, um, there's no strength without struggle. And I started to realize like everything that I went through had a purpose for it. Even though I, I didn't realize it, I couldn't see it, I couldn't feel it, um, I couldn't define it. But I realized as I moved on with my life, it had a it had a purpose for it, whether it was to make me stronger, whether it was to introduce me to a, a relationship, whether it was for me to, you know, uh, dive into my faith even more, you know, your hardest storms will be your strongest faith. There's no faith without struggle. There's no growth without struggle. And as athletes, we know that, like, you don't get yeah. strong just by going through the easy days. You get strong by the tour days, by the sprints, by when you feel like you're about to break down. So I remind, I remind myself of that every single day in life. And it's just like every time and it's hard sometimes to, be, to think like this, but I'll say 95% of the time, I'm always telling myself, like, there's a greater purpose. There's a greatest, greater purpose. And I guess maybe like some of the things that I struggle with in the process with that, I mean, you know, I lost a lot of friends um, in this process. And, um, you know, it's hard because as I made this change for the better, it seemed like I was losing 
the things and the people I cared about. Yeah. And it didn't make sense for me. And I know a lot of people out there, they go through that, right? They make this change. It's like people tell you to do better, right? People tell you to progress your life. And when you do these things, when you take that stuff, it seems like you take 10 steps back in other areas of your life. That's what kind of happened to me. So I was questioning myself, am I making the right decision? Like, is this change really worth it? Because my change got lonely. You know, um, I started to realize like, man, nobody's really around me. Like the people I thought would be there for me and have my back and be by my side and be happy for my change, you know, aren't yeah. there. Yeah. And so it became very, very hard. But I've realized in this journey that you have to go through seasons of loneliness. You have to go through seasons of being alone. You have to go through seasons of solitude um, just to find who you are and encourage you during your journey and strengthen you during your journey. Yeah. How do you practice that daily? Because I know you're traveling all the time. You have a family. Um, so mm. you're so busy. Do you still kind of practice that solitude? And, and if you do, what does that look like for you? Yes, I do. Um, if you, if you, uh, a lot of people who follow me know that I talk about this all the time. I actually even have a period in my events, a five minute period that I call protect your peace. And um, I'm big, I'm so big on protecting my peace. I mean, I know you're in Colorado, right? So mm -hmm. you get to hike and, well, I don't know if you hike, but you have yeah. all those beautiful hikes up there. Absolutely. And so um, I fell in love with hiking uh, in Phoenix, just kind of give you a backstory of where this practice kind of came from. Yeah. And um, the first time I hiked, I didn't realize how hard it was and I couldn't make it to the top. Like I was like, man, I thought I was in shape and I had a reality <laughs> check. <laughs> so yeah. I came back. And, um, you know, I conquered it. And once I got to the top, I realized how connected I felt to my peace, uh, to my faith, um, how it seemed like it was no worries or doubts up there. And um, I started to, I wanted to, I took that feeling with me. In Texas, we don't have huge mountains, but we do have, you know, some hills and things like that out here or some yeah. nature areas where I feel like you can protect your peace. So one of the things that I do, I try to do it every single day is to get out, um, whether it be me watering my flowers, whether it be me going for a hike, whether it be me, you know, going into my room and close. I take time every single day out for myself. Yeah. Um, just to, because sometimes we start our day off with stress. We start our day off with doubt. We start our day off with fear. Some, I always say, you know, it's funny because a lot of us, the first thing we do is grab our phone and get on social media. Yeah. And, um, you know, that can be stressful. You know, I always say you wouldn't have a conversation with a thousand people in real life, but ironically, when you're scrolling and you're taking this information, that's what you're doing, you know, um, subconsciously. So protecting your peace um, and protecting my peace is key for me every single day. So I definitely do that. And it, I think how you start your day will influence your day. Yeah. And I was actually just going to ask you that about social media because um, you're totally active on it, but how do you not let it kind of, um, soak up some of your day? Because I know that a lot of people, um, even myself, struggle with just kind of, you know, like checking it in the morning and then checking it during right. the day and kind of just um, getting That's involved. a good question. I'm not, that's the thing. I'm not as active as people would think. Yeah. And so um, the only time I'm active is to um, really connect with rehabbers. And that's what I call the community of rehab time yeah. is like if I make a post, I'm very active for maybe like the first 30 minutes to talk back to people or if I'm having downtime, I'll make sure it's to respond to messages. And of course, I have times where I get caught just scrolling, but I remind myself and I ask myself, is this really beneficial to what I'm trying to do? So I try to 
keep as much as I try to be, I'm trying to, I try to be beneficial as much as I can when I'm on social media yeah. and make sure I'm very strategic about how I spend my time doing it. But, you know, I'm not really on there much, you know, I might mm-hmm. post once a day, maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, but I know how to disconnect. I feel like disconnecting often is very good because if you're always connecting, if you think about this, if you're always connected to something, I mean, you can plug anything in. If you leave that thing on, no matter how much power it has, eventually it will burn out. Mm-hmm. And I did that in 2015. I burnt out and almost wanted to quit rehab time. So I know the power of disconnecting. And I don't feel, I used to feel obligated to post. I used to feel obligated, like, oh, people need my messages or, you know, in my inbox right now, I can guarantee you there's probably somebody today who sent me a message saying, you know, they don't want to live anymore. And I felt mm-hmm. that responsibility to be, I got to be there for everybody. But yeah. if I'm there for everybody, I'm not there for myself, then eventually I won't be there for anybody. Yeah. So. I just trust the process of me sharing my messages, me making videos. And I try my best, probably like an hour out of the day to really spend time responding to messages and connecting with people or even making phone calls to people just to connect with the rehabbers. Yeah. Over the years too, um, you've gone through so much with rehab time. Uh, Like you said, you post all the time. Well, not all the time, but at least once a day, just with these messages, Mm -hmm. these videos. How has it grown over the years and how have you um, just learned from what you're doing and, and how to be better at your craft and how to help people more? Yeah, um, well, it's definitely grown. <laughs> you know, when I first started, I always tell people, you know, I didn't have some expensive budget. I didn't have the camera crew. I didn't have, you know, all, I didn't have I didn't have none of these things. And, um, you know, I started just with my iPhone, picked up my iPhone and just started recording videos. and. You know, I always make a joke where, um, you know, when I first started my first, like, I guess, first speaking event, like, literally, it was probably like 10 people, 15 people there. And it was people that I knew, my family, my friends. And now to 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 see it grow to, you know, it might be a thousand, two thousand, five hundred, three hundred people. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And just to see, you know, people for me, it's not about a significance thing because numbers don't matter. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it's about an impact. Things. So to see the impact is just truly incredible. And it just comes from consistency. You know, I think we live in a time where so many people like I can talk about this forever, but we live in a comparison time where we see somebody doing something. We're like, oh, OK, I want that platform or I want to do it like that. So we start something and we, we don't understand how long it took them to get there. As they always say, you know, overnight success doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It took a lot of a lot of long, hard nights, consistent nights. Uh, to make it happen overnight. But yeah, overnight, a shift did happen. A tipping point did happen. But I've been doing this for all, next year to be 10 years. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so I tell people all the time, just be consistent. Like, forget the numbers. It's all about connection. It's not about how many numbers you have or followers you have or how many listeners you have. It's about connecting to those people. Because when you invest in those people, you connect and they know that you care. Um, They'll do the promotion for you. They'll do the marketing for you. But I feel like that's the that's the disconnect that some people have is like, you know, it's all about significance. It's all about followers and a blue check. It's all about money. And they lose the connection with the people. You don't realize like your supporters make you who you are. So when people see me, they're like, Trent, you took time to talk to me or you're just a regular person. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> I appreciate you more than probably you appreciate me. And so it's all about connection and consistency. Yeah make a long story short totally and I think that resonates with me as well I mean just starting the podcast too for myself I mean when I did it I was telling you earlier I just felt like 
it was something I needed to do and I wanted to help people. And whether I'm reaching a hundred people or a hundred thousand, um, you know, just making a difference to me, um, was what was exciting. And I think, like you said, it's just the consistency piece. And I totally admire people like you that are doing what you are doing and, and helping so many people. And I think it's, it's so, so cool to see. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Just going back a bit, um, I know you mentioned the identity piece, and I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, especially athletes or even people that are in different areas, just identifying themselves in things kind of of this world that don't last, that do end. What do you think you would recommend to people that are struggling with either this identity piece or think, you know, I'm in this sport right now. And I think I am making it my identity. I know one day it's going to end, but I don't know how to really transfer that over, how to change that, my mentality towards that. What do you think you would recommend to those people? Um, to the people that are in it, you know, I would recommend that you explore your different gifts and talents um, as much as you can. Like I would tell you to not, and I get it, like, of course, you know, you don't want to abandon, you know, uh, I'm not telling you just to stop going hard for your sport, you know, go hard, you know, work hard and take your, take your, your, your craft to the level is greatest level. But at the same time, you know, explore other options. There's more gifts and talents inside of you. And I think you just have to look at, at football or track or soccer or baseball or whatever sport you play as a vehicle, right? It's not the end destination. Yeah. It's just the vehicle that's leading you to another chapter in your life. And so I know that's hard to grasp when you're in it, but, you know, that's one of the things that I talk to a lot of athletes about and I encourage them to like, OK, go. If you're a writer, go write. If you love music, go do music um, network. You know, um, and that's the one of the things that I didn't really uh, when I look back, I didn't really appreciate about, you know, where I was at in college is that, you know, there were no opportunities to do anything else besides your sport. Like you can go work an internship. You can do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I just would tell people to network with the people at your school as much as you can, the people that you might ignore. Because I know when you're an athlete, the problem a lot of times is, at least for me, and at least for people that I know, it's like you're so used to receiving, you're so used to people coming to you, you're so used to people asking you for things that it's hard for you to communicate with people. Hmm. At least for me, it was like that. It was hard for me to reach out because my whole entire life, I was always given things. And so I would tell people to connect with people, reach out to people, and just remind yourself that, this is a part of who you are. It is not who you are. And the beautiful thing about sports is that it can teach you so many things about leadership, so many things about business, so many things about building your brand, so many things about perseverance that a lot of things in this world cannot teach you. And so you have the advantage on so many people by going through what you go through and do what you do every single day. It's just about transferring those same traits and skills it's a something else once that chapter is ended in your life. Totally. Yeah, it's so hard when you're in it because it kind of fills up your whole day, especially in college, like you know, or definitely in the NFL. And um, just really looking at your life in a kind of the grand scheme of where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And what do I love kind of at the end of the day? Um, and that reminds me of you talking about dreams as well. Do you think having a dream, having goals, do you think they're good. And where do you think maybe that can lead you astray? Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is probably the part that I like, I don't, 
I wouldn't say the outcast, right? A lot of motivational speakers and things like that will tell you to have goals and, and dreams. And, you know, and, and I want to be clear, like, I just hope people take this in context. Um, but, but I feel like I feel like those things can be dangerous, um, you know, and, and like I said, it's not for everybody. But I just think like as, as far as dreams, right, dreams are great dreams. You need to have dreams. You need to have vision and all those things. Dreams could definitely you know, it's definitely something to to push you, propel you forward because you're working towards something. But you have to understand sometimes your dreams aren't what you were created to do, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes your dreams, like I said, are just the vehicle. So the more that I've gotten into rehab time, the more I've realized that football was not what I was created to do. Yeah. Football is just a chapter of my life, but it was through football that I met so many people, all right? I, I gained the knowledge that I have to start rehab time. Um, I even think from the, from the point of dealing with, you know, uh, I don't, I don't wanna use the word fame, but being known and dealing with money and all these things to realize like those things can bring you happiness, you know, yeah. success. You know, people just tell you one side of success. They don't show the other side of su- that success brings, um, the stress that it brings, the insecurities that sometimes it brings. And so I would tell you, um, you know, maybe your dream is just for you. And especially if your dream is just, I mean, if your dream is just for you, excuse me, then you know, you're probably, it's probably not what you're created to do. Yeah. I think impact too is so important. I think it's so, a lot of people's dreams are surrounded, like you said, around the money, the fame, everything else. Um, And that just leads you down a dark path, I feel like. And I mean, for me, that's been, um, some self-discovery. I mean, I've always wanted to be, you know, known as, you know, a great soccer player or something, and I want to play pro, but now I'm realizing um, what what I want to do for the right reasons, and I think impact, like you talk about always, is just definitely the most important thing. So one of my last uh, few questions I have for you, um, if you could go back, and I know that you've been through so much in your life that's taken to you, taking you to where you are today. But if you could go back to maybe the start, the start of sports, maybe the start of your NFL career, career, wherever it may be. If you could go back, what are some of the main things that you would tell yourself now with with what you know now? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, I would tell myself, um, <laughs> you know, don't trip, you know, <laughs> um, that there is more to your life. Um, there's more for your life. Um, there's more to your life than what you're currently going through. Um, I would also tell myself like, that just because you had some bad chapters, uh, doesn't mean your story can't end well. And there's a greater purpose, um, than where you're currently at, because that would, that would be something that I could never see. Like, I thought the NFL was the top for my life. Like there's the ceiling, you know, it's like nothing else. So I would tell myself that there's a greater purpose. It's not going to just affect your life, but, you know, um, people around you and in a world of strangers that you don't even know um, that that need your story. And so you're going to go through a lot of things you don't understand um, just to bring to the place where, you know, uh, God and uh, people need you to be. Yeah. Did you obviously you didn't always think you were going to be. A motivational speaker probably how did you kind of get into that and was it just natural for you or did you have to yeah. kind of work on that 
So I never wanted to be a motivational speaker. Right? This is like that's why when people call me that is just it's kind of it's not a bad thing because that's my I mean that's how you identify even people what I do. But it's just like I don't know. I'll be like I'm not really a motivational speaker, you know? Um, yeah. But how I got into it. Um, I always love music and things like that. Like I love to rap. I love. Um, I always love creating music, and uh, just to make. I'm just trying to make this as short as I can. But um, I had a friend, Jonathan Evans. Um, he's his dad's a big time pastor, Dr. Tony Evans. A lot of people know him. But uh, Jonathan played with me at, at Baylor and with the Redskins. We always connected, right? We we weren't best of friends, but we always just connected and had that mutual respect for each other. And uh, he invited me, man, to his church, and <laughs> he always he told me that. He's like, you don't talk much because I'm an introvert. Like, if you're around me, Brittany, like, hmm. I might say 10 words, you know, because I'm, oh. I'm just, I'm an observer. Like, I, I like to listen. I like to take things in. And when you get me in a place where I need to speak and I'm passionate, that's when you get, you know, the rehab time, you know, type of feel. But Jonathan was like, man, you know, our conversations when we talk about life, man, like, you have a lot to offer people. And he's like, I see something you will see in yourself. So he invited me to this church, uh, his church. It was, you know, 3000 teenagers there. Like my very first speaking engagement. I was nervous. I was scared to me to just to be real. Like when I got on the stage, I actually forgot what I was going to say. And, you know, at that moment, um, I just was like, man, God use me. And I was like, you got to sink or you can swim. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just started speaking my my story. Like I had to be I had to be real. I had to, it wasn't no like teaching points. It wasn't no fluff that sound good. Like I had to be raw and real, especially when you're speaking to kids. And I tell anybody out there, if you ever want to be a speaker, the best place to, to go speak is to elementary schools, to middle schools, to high school students, because if you can speak in there and get, capture their attention, you can capture anybody's attention. And at that moment, I realized like that, this is what I was created to do. And um, I didn't have a plan. Wasn't nobody bringing me in to speak. Um, at that point, I had started making videos, but they were like rehabish, meaning like it'd be kind of positive, but then it'd be, ne you know, it would be negative, but it would just be me talking about whatever. Yeah. And wasn't nobody following me. Hmm. And literally, I stopped pursuing football Um, at that moment. I was actually supposed to go to New Orleans for arena football, but I decided at that moment that this is what I was created to do. And like, that's really stepping out on faith. And wow. to the listeners out there, I'm not telling you to go quit your job. I'm not telling you to to leave, you know, your stability right now. Yeah. But there comes a point in life when whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a, a habit, whether it's your past, whether it's a job, when you know you're hanging on, on to it out of the fear of who would I be without it. And so that was me with sports. I didn't love football no more. Yeah. You know, the, the higher it got professionally, the more love I lost for it because it became more business instead yeah. of like just this raw love for the game. It came more political and I stopped and I quit. And, um, you know, I had to work a job at 24 hour fitness and nothing wrong with 24 hour. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, an NFL player now working at 24 hour fitness is like for most people that would be embarrassing. Yeah. You know, and, I, and at first it was people were like, what are you doing here and working here? But I realized that even in that process, that 24-hour fitness working there, the people there, um, not necessarily the company, just being honest, but <laughs> the people there um, really helped me because I was speaking every single night because I was group training classes. Oh. And it really built my confidence and it built this, built this, this core of people um, that I was realizing I was affecting their lives, not just physically, but mentally. 
And um, it got to a point when I had to I actually got fired from 24 because I was speaking so much and I couldn't take classes anymore because I was always traveling. So I told him, I was like, hey, you know, I'll just volunteer when I can. Anyways, they fired me. And once they found out, like, I guess who I was, they tried to bring me back. It's just super funny. But I say that to say this, that do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. Right. Meaning that until your purpose, until you physically can't do your job no more, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. because your purpose, you know, has has made it that way. Continue to do both. And then it gets to a point when your purpose takes over and you know when it's time to let go of that of that job and i'm talking to people out there that have jobs because too many people like will quit today and they have no stability uh, at all so do what you do both as long as you can until uh you have no choice but to actually live your purpose and to see me living the purpose for my life and the vision is just crazy to me i pinch myself every single day yeah i think it's that first step like you're talking about just to go out on on in faith and and take that step because you think it's your calling. I think that's probably the hardest part is just trusting in that. So it's it's amazing to see it actually pan out and work out for you. So And I and I would want to add this too. Like for the people starting things too because I mean, I could we can do a whole other podcast about <laughs> this part, but just like dedicate 5 years. You know, like don't dedicate a year, 2 years, 3 years. Like dedicate 5 years and I call it like the gardener's mindset, right? You gotta have that mindset that that you know growth is taking place even though you can't see it. You know, so you might have, right, you might whatever make a video and you know, a hundred people watch it and you keep making these videos and you know, over the years not many people are watching it. But you have to know that it's impacting lives beneath the surface and one day, you know, maybe something goes viral or one day everything just changes. And so I tell people like dedicate three to five years, I would say five years to your craft and uh, just sign up forever for it. If you can, like for me, I say, you know what, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life, whether it reaches people or not, this is who I am. And so uh, I just wanted to share that with people out there because too many times we we have the microwave mindset where if we don't see immediate results, then we quit and we think it's not for our life. But numbers, that's why I say numbers can lie to you. Numbers told me that at first, this wasn't my purpose. Yeah. You know, it wasn't nobody showing me watching my videos, but I decided to ignore the numbers and focus on impact. Yeah, it's that instant gratification thing that if it doesn't work for you now, that it's never going to. But I think, especially for young people too, younger people, it's like, you haven't been around for that long. Like five years is kind of a long time, you know? And so exactly. seeing it seeing it pan out all, over all the uh, all that time is it seems like a long time, but yeah, it, it takes all that time. So that's, that's definitely a good point. Um, just my, one of my last questions too is, um, if you didn't have sports in your life, no football, um, and I know you've had to deal with that with um, what you've gone through and everything, um, and even if you maybe didn't have rehab time, didn't have um, this platform that you do now, how would you want to be defined or remembered that the people you love, the people that are the closest to you? Just the guy who cares, just the guy who made whatever environment around him better and more positive and more peaceful. Uh, that's how I want to be remembered. You know, I don't care about numbers. I don't care about being the best motivational speaker. I don't care about all those significant things. You know, when I leave here, 
just want people to say, man, Trent cared about people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Trent made things better and he made things more peaceful and positive. And if people can say that about my life, then I feel like I lived a life worth living. Yeah, totally. And I think you're doing that and I think you're doing it on a grand scale, which is also cool to have both. So um, like we talked about, yeah, like we talked about before, um, when I was first listening to you speak, I heard your spoken word and it, like I said, it almost brought me to tears. I was on the treadmill running, listening to it and almost (laughs) brought me to tears. So um, if you could share one of those for the people listening, that would be so awesome. So I'll share... um... On, on the podcast, your idea, your life isn't over, um, mm-hmm. which people can check that out. If they're going through, they feel like, you know, life is over. I would suggest and watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one that's called Friends, that if you're going through anything with your circle, Friends is mm-hmm. probably my most popular video out there. Um, but this is one of my favorites. Um, it connected with people well. I thought it would do better than what it did, but it did what it needed to do. But this is called uh, A Rise Above. And uh, this is just for people. Like, I wrote this for people on their journey, you know, um, starting their change. So, mm-hmm. Um, just because your path is lonely doesn't mean your path is wrong. Everybody won't be willing to grow to where you want to go. Everybody won't make it to your next level because everybody won't be willing to sacrifice what it takes to create greatness. So unfortunately, the ones that started with you might not finish with you. The ones that had your back might turn their back. But you can't allow who left you to keep you from your best you. You can't allow what left your life to stop your life. In order to move up, there's some things you must be willing to give up. In order to get ahead, there's some things you must be willing to leave behind. Hold on to your limitations won't help you reach new destinations. Carrying dead weight won't help you be great. Never let the fear of losing people cause you to lose yourself. This is your journey. It's not about perfection, but progression. It's not about being perfect, it's about becoming better. I'm gonna be real with you. Struggle is a part of it. Losses are a part of it. Setbacks are a part of it. Sometimes you have to go through your worst just to become your best. Sometimes you have to lose everything just to gain everything. Don't let it discourage you, let it encourage you. You'll never get to your success by skipping the process. You'll never grow without growing pains. The valley might be ugly, but I promise you this, the peak is beautiful, so never stop climbing. Because the only way it works if you work. The only way you progress if you proceed. Don't give up on you because they gave up on you. Don't stop believing in you because they stopped believing in you. What they think should never influence what you know. How they feel about you should never change how you feel about yourself. The battle was not with them. The battle was within. Your competition is nobody else. So that means can't nobody defeat you except yourself. Can't nobody stop you without your permission. Losers focus on winners and winners focus on winning. So you keep your eyes on the prize. You rise above the lies. You rise above the hate. You rise above the fate. You rise above anyone or anything that's in your way that's trying to prevent you from being great. Never back down even when your back's against the wall. It matters how many times you get back up, not how many times you fall. It's about your mentality. What's the point of dreaming a dream? You're not working to turn that dream into reality. So speak life into your life. Be your own motivation. A legend is just an ordinary person with extraordinary determination. So find a way to make one. At the end, you just regret the chance you didn't take. So find the courage to take one. Your only limit is you. Don't surrender to your struggle. Make that struggle surrender to you. Listen, pain is temporary, but giving up is forever. Never be good or good enough when you know inside you live something better. You didn't come this far just to settle. You didn't come this far just to accept whatever. You came this far to take it to your next level. You came this far to become something greater. And what makes it even more special is that you did it with no favors, is that you did it with plenty haters. But as you can see, nothing can stop your life when your life is highly favored. So listen, for your dreams, for your passion, for your purpose, for your vision, for whatever, 
don't you ever stop working. And always remember this fact about life. When a destination is worth reaching, the path won't always be perfect. But like I said in every single video, it all starts with you. It's rehab time. Let's get it. Wow. Thank you so much. That was amazing. And that just how you reach people and all these different ways, it's it's so inspiring. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today and, and joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate you. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep making the world respect your greatness and keep changing lives because you're definitely doing that. All right. Oh, thank you so much. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's message with Trent Shelton as much as I did. If you did, please, again, share this on any one of your social media outlets. I'd love to get the word out. I hope today's story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.